0: Morning, folks. Nick's lending me his phone this morning to keep me on time. Amen. (laughs) And all God's people said, "Amen." Great. Well, Merry Christmas! It is the uh, it is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, We do a modified Advent in this church where we kind of do what we want, and we call it Advent. So that's the modified version. Um, I love the season leading up to Christmas. You know, there's lots around Christmas, and and we watch different movies and stuff. And some of it has nothing to do with Christ. And so this season, we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, because it's about the advent of Christ that we're focused on. We don't fix our eyes on Christmas, we don't fix our eyes on those movies that have nothing to do. I I even watched one recently, the other day with the kids, and there was no mention of Christ at all, except for the word Christmas in the show. Um, But we do take this season to prepare ourselves, to prepare ourselves to focus on Him, to focus on what God has done. What he has done in giving us his son and the birth of Christ and what that means for the world. Amen. 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 Two-way. I walked by uh, Susan there and she said hallelujah when I was walking up. and So I feel like it's a two-way today. Um, the word itself, Advent, is derived from the Latin word adventus, meaning coming. Um, which I thought was helpful because I was talking to someone the other day. They didn't know what Advent was. They would never heard that before, even in the church. Um, so, Advent is, is Adventist. It's the coming. It's the arrival of a notable person, a thing, or an event. So, like the advent of television would be the, something, that, something big that happened in the world. It's the advent. This is the advent of Christ. The seed of Abraham, the root of Jesse, the son of David, the son of God, coming to earth, born of a virgin. We heard recently about God's plan of salvation being planned right from the fall of man. And Nick was saying it was like a skipping stone. God bringing words throughout the Old Testament where he would just remind the people again that the Messiah is coming. That the Messiah is coming, the Savior who will save his people from their sins. He's coming. And we just see those prophecies throughout history like a skipping stone. Sin entered the world and God's plan was in motion. Leading up to the moment, the advent of Jesus. Today, we're going to look at the last few times God speaks to his people before the birth of Jesus. Luke starts his gospel with a story to compare and contrast people's reactions to that message when God speaks. So the first Sunday we're going to look at here, we're going to look at the story of Zechariah and Mary in Luke chapter 1. And there's lots in the Bible, there's lots of stories around Jesus' birth that we often don't preach on throughout the rest of the year. So I want to take this opportunity to look at Zechariah and Mary and their reactions to what God said. First, let's start with Zechariah. So we see Luke chapter 1, verse 5. If you do have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, We're going to just stick in Luke chapter 1 today. We're going to read a, a good portion of Scripture because it's great. And I'll pray before we start, actually, if you can look up in your Bible. Lord, we thank you for this This word today, we thank you for the season, God. We fix our eyes on Christ today, Lord. We just incline our ears this morning. We know that you have a message for for us today because your word is being preached. And we just pray through this time, Lord, as we prepare, as we contemplate again the birth of Christ and the coming of our Savior. Lord, we pray for a fresh revelation today from your word for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we see in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1 that Zechariah was a priest who married well. Both he and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. He was a member of the division of Abijah, one of 24 divisions of priests that David created to serve in the temple. 24 divisions, he's, the, he's one of them. But they had a major issue. They were older and childless because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. Nowadays, that's a major issue with couples, and I know many, many couples who've struggled with that for a long time. Back then, on top of the disappointment and the frustration, was the social stigma. As many rabbis, Jewish rabbis taught that that was God's displeasure. God was not pleased with you. You you were disgraced because you were you were barren. Elizabeth even calls herself disgraced later in the chapter. How many times had she been asked if they were pregnant or if they had kids? Oh, here's my kids. Do you have kids? Oh, no, we don't. Throughout her whole life, just the frustration, the sadness, the, the anticipation, then the disappointment. Zechariah could have divorced his wife on the basis of her barrenness. That was a common practice in the day. But he didn't. He was a righteous man, and so he prayed. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And for Zechariah, this was a big deal. For two weeks of the year, did his division get to serve at the temple? So these 24 divisions, two weeks, Abijah got to serve. And during each week, only a few priests within that division were chosen to go and light incense in the Holy in the holy place. As soon as a priest was chosen, he would not be allowed to enter and serve again. Some priests waited their whole lives to do this one act for God. This was their job. If they had a training seminar, this was doing this thing. And then they got those two weeks to actually go in and do it. And then they might never do it again. This was a big deal for Zechariah. It was a big moment in his life. This was the climax of his priestly duties. And in he went while the people prayed outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he did what everyone in the Bible does when they see an angel. He was startled and gripped with fear. And then the angel said to him what they often say, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord, later on in 17, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a statement the angel made to Zechariah. He prayed, they were childless, he prayed, and God said, God sent a messenger to say, not only are you having a son, but you're going to have a son that's going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord. I mean, Zechariah was a priest, and when you were a priest, you didn't come into it later in life. He grew up learning how to read, learning how to read the scriptures, knowing the prophecies of the Messiah that was to come, putting all of this together, it must have been amazing. The same prophecies and scriptures that Nick shared earlier and hundreds more throughout the Old Testament point to the Messiah, point to the Messiah, the one that was to come. And he knew, Zechariah knew, if you read the Old Testament, the scriptures, he knew that Abraham had, had a child in his old age. He knew that Hannah was barren and God opened her womb to, to allow Samuel to be born and many others. This was not beyond what God had already done. So Zechariah said, yes, thank you. Praise God. May it be as you've said. But he didn't say that. He said something I'm sure he regretted for nine months. Zechariah opened his mouth, and he said, he asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The Greek word included in the first part of Zechariah's question is gnosko. And it can be translated as, how can I have sure knowledge of this? So Gabriel comes and says, you're going to have a son. Your son's going to be great. And Zechariah's first response is, are you sure about that? How can I be sure? Are you certain? Gabriel, angel. How many times have you prayed and said, God, just send me a sign. Send me an angel, Lord. God sent him an angel. He knew it was an angel. And his first response was, I don't know if I can trust this angel. I don't know if I can trust this word. Then the angel said to him, in a bit of a smackdown, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Just think of the tone this comes across with, right? And now you will be silent and not able to speak. Until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. What was Gabriel looking for when he shared this word with Zechariah? Faith. Gabriel was looking for faith. He says, Because you did not believe my words, you will not speak. It's going to come true, but you're not going to speak because you did not believe my words. The interaction exposed something in Zechariah. Even as a priest, even knowing the scriptures, even going through the priestly duties, a lot of the things of, of being a priest, he didn't trust when the word came to him. He didn't trust the word of God. His first reaction was, are you sure? I need another sign, God. I know that I'm an angel and all that. I need something else. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that Greeks demand wisdom, And Jews look for a sign. Here, Zechariah asked for a sign. He said, how can I be sure of this? And he got one. Gabriel said, you're not going to talk for nine months. Right? There you go. You asked. And that's it. And God wasn't asking him to do any great feat to demonstrate his faith. He didn't have to move mountains. He didn't have to walk on water. He just had to say, yes, Gabriel, thank you, God, go home, make love with his wife, and then have a son. That's all he had to do, was just believe, was just simply believe. That's what God called him to do. Everything ended up happening just like Gabriel said it would, but the journey was rockier for Zechariah than it needed to be. It was a rockier journey to get to God's purposes than it needed to be. And lo and behold... When his time of service was completed, he returned home and Elizabeth became pregnant. Just like the angel said. So that's Zechariah. Now on to Mary. Six months later, God sends the angel Gabriel, the same angel, to Nazareth. Six months later, a town in Galilee to Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled, same as Zechariah, at his words. And she wondered, what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Amazing. And then Mary said, How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. She didn't ask, How can I be more certain? She didn't ask, How will I know for sure? Can, I, can Are you sure about this, Gabriel? She didn't do the same Word, she didn't use the same word in the same tone the same tense that Zechariah did, which is, I need to know more. I need to know if I can trust you. She said, the Greek word is esomai, which is more future-focused. How is it going to happen? How is this going to happen? How shall it come to pass? At first read, when you read this chapter, you think, well, they kind of said the same thing to the angel. But when you look into it a little bit more, one needed to have more knowledge before he was going to trust. And she said, How's it going to come about? He was leaning back. She was leaning forward in, in their response. And it's a pretty legitimate question, if you think about her question to the angel. I'm a virgin. You said, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to conceive. How's that going to work? I know of one way. What's, what's the way you're talking about? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And Mary answered an amazing answer. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Think about her situation in life. Mary's compared to, to Zechariah's. We've got a little table here. This is a teach. You see both of their situations. Zechariah, an older male. He was a priest. He was married. And family, they were barren. They had no children. And they were praying for a child. Then you have Mary, young female. We don't know what, what her role was. Um, likely just part of her family right now growing up. She was not married. She was betrothed, which means she had a husband that she was going to spend about a year. Usually they had a husband. Her husband was Joseph. And about a year they were betrothed. They, were, they had matchmakers. They were betrothed. When they would be together, they'd often have a chaperone. So they'd have an uncle or an aunt or one of the parents would be with them just to make sure that they're, they're overseen this, uh, this betrothal period. She's not praying for a kid right now. She's not praying for a baby, right? You look over at, uh, at Zechariah, praying for a child. I doubt the angels place bets. But you think as Gabriel's going out, and, the, and if they did place bets, who would have the over-under on this one for believing what God's going to say? Probably not Mary, I would think. Probably, you look at Zechariah's situation, he's a priest, he knows the scriptures. Praying for a child, Gabriel comes and says, you can have a child. He goes, I don't know about that. I need to to be sure. I'm not totally sure if I can trust. Mary's situation. Look at the the social stigma that she was entering into, potentially here. And she said, yes, I'm going to believe. May it be to me as you have said. How would that news to her not be overwhelming? You see the visitation. Angel Gabriel came to them both. The message was a miracle message. Zechariah, you're going to have a son. Mary, you're going to have a son. Both impossible supernatural events. And God was looking for them to believe the message, just simply to put faith in what he was saying, the God of the supernatural. Their reactions were different. That's the the only difference between them, really. The angel came with the same message, didn't seem to care too much about their social situation, their vocation, anything else. Came with the same message. It said you're going to have a son, it's going to be a miracle. Their only difference there was Zechariah was blessed. He ended up having a son. Mary was blessed. She ended up having Jesus. But it was a much rockier road for Zechariah to get to God's plan, to get to God, what God had stated. And it's interesting that Luke starts his gospel with this story. Because Luke is writing about the events of Jesus' life. He's writing to a Greek audience who doesn't know a lot about the Old Testament, he doesn't know a lot about the story of of Israel. And he starts with this comparison between Zechariah and Mary. And if you look at their stories and their responses, you see the same types of responses throughout the history of Israel. When God speaks, how are they going to respond? God speaks to his people often throughout the Old Testament, calling them to faith, calling them to have faith in him just to trust me, just trust me. We see it with Abraham, same situation as Zechariah. God said, your wife is old, older, you're both older, you're going to have a son. And Abraham believed God, and it was credit to him as righteousness. We call him the father of faith. He simply just believed what God said. God didn't call him to do any great things at the beginning just to believe, yes, I'm going to have a son. And we see throughout the the Old Testament, sometimes as people do trust him and they're blessed by God for trusting him, and sometimes they turn their back on him or they don't trust him completely. God still accomplishes his purposes, but it's a rockier road. He has to bring them back to him. And you see that with the Israelites at the edge of the promised land. They're going to go in. God says, you're going to take that land. They say, no, nah, I don't think we can do it, God. I don't know if we're going to fully trust you here. And he says, okay, well, you're going to take the land, but now you're going to wait for 40 years. And they wandered 40 years in the desert. They ended up taking the land eventually, but it was a rockier road because they didn't put faith in God when he called them to. And we look at Israel and we go, well, that's silly. Shouldn't they just put faith in God? But when I look at my own life, it's very similar. I'm standing here and I'm walking this way and I just thank God for who I am. I thank him for his blessings. I thank him for his presence with me. I thank him for his encouragement. I thank him that I'm here. But when I look back and you look at the, can look at the path that your life took, those times when I said, yes, Lord, those times when he was writing my story, like Kira shared, you see the blessing of God, you're in the will of God. It doesn't mean it's easy, but you know that you're doing what God called you to do. But then you also see those times where God called you to do something, and you say, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I'm going to trust that. And I see these little deviations, these little paths wandering through my life, where I didn't, I didn't fully trust God. He wants, he wants to bring us back to walking on the path. Once, we were, once Dana and I bought a house with some friends, and we had a certain amount that we were going to spend on this house. And we ended up negotiating, and the, house, the oh, they, they would come down. The, the owner would come down. They came down to eight grand over what we were asking, over what we were offering. And we felt in the Lord, the four of us buying this house, we felt a certain number. And they came back just above. And we're like, ah, oh, you know what? We're going to go for it. And we went for it, and it was over what, what that, that feeling that we had in the Lord, the amount. And it was probably three of the rockiest years of my life owning that house. There were other things that happened in our lives, but it was it was I was walking along, walking along, and then you're like God's calling you there, you just, "No, nah, I'm just going to go this way." And you end up taking a little deviation there. And thank God, he allowed us to sell that house 3 years later, and it, it was, you know, the Lord brought us back. But it's a rocky road. It didn't need to be so rocky just listening to God. Right? There are practical elements to this. There are practical elements. The Lord's will is going to be done. If it's going to be done through you, In in the time that he has it for, that's up to us. It's just about putting faith in what he says. Just simply about putting faith. The main message in this story is God is sovereign. The word of God will never fail. He's going to use you eventually. So why not now? Why not, when you hear his voice, to respond, to say, yes, Lord. He's going to bring you back. When he speaks, he's no respecter of persons. That's another message in here. You can see he's going to speak to the priest who's doing the, in the holy place. People are praying outside. The priest is there. It's a big deal for him. He's going to speak to him. He's going to speak to the, to the Virgin Mary. His word is not just for the preacher or the one who seems to have it all together. God speaks to his children. He said, my sheep hear my voice. That's each one of us can hear the voice of God. He can and he does speak to you. He speaks to me. He speaks to the kids. God speaks. And it's about our response when he speaks that determines how it's going to go. And when God sends forth his word, just like we see with Mary and with Zechariah, the word of God, when he speaks, has everything it needs. When God speaks, it's like a seed. That seed has everything it needs to make a tree. Right? It just has to find the right soil. And that soil is faith. That soil is faith. When God speaks, it meets our faith. That's when things are going to happen. To bring forth all that God spoke. We each have a measure of faith that God's given us. If we're going to learn anything from this story, even as we're heading into the Christmas season here, it's that God's given us a measure of faith. God is speaking. He wants to see through all the distractions And just to hear his voice. And just to respond to what our Father is saying. Because he's speaking. He's given us faith to respond. Each one of us can do that. It doesn't matter what life circumstances you're in right now. It doesn't matter if God's calling you here and you know that you're over here right now. You're walking this way. And it doesn't feel right. You know that God's called you to something different. He's called you over here. You can make that decision today. To say, yes, Lord, I know that you're calling me to that and I... I just want, I want to get right with you. We all have a measure of faith we can put in God, put in his word. And that's faith. Just believing him. So to finish off the story, because it's a good finish. So at that time, Mary, the angel just left Mary. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb as John, John the Baptist. The first person to recognize Jesus was John in in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. God's given you faith. God gave Mary faith. She used it. I love the fact that it says here in a loud voice. Because you know Zechariah's in the other room on his writing implement, whatever he had. Blessed is Mary because she believed. Zechariah, you hear that? She believed. You didn't believe. And Elizabeth was six months pregnant at the time. Mary believed, and she was blessed. That's the difference. Now, do you think Zechariah learned from this? I would think so. I would, I would assume he learned from it. And I'd love to see, because he ended up speaking again when John was born. Zechariah's um, ability, the, the mutinous left him. He could speak again. And I'd love to see him with a son, little John the Baptist growing up. Like Zechariah, oh, John? One thing i got to tell you, when God speaks, don't say, can you be sure? Am I sure? How can I be sure? You just do it, John. Whatever God says, you just do it right away. And we can learn from them too. Just like, just like Zechariah is telling John, little John, as you grow up, just listen to God. And John, John did it. These were two of the greatest, these were the two greatest men to ever be born of a woman. Jesus said, John's the greatest man to be born. And Jesus is the son of God. These are the stories leading up to their births. Let's learn from these stories. Maybe right now you're in a difficult situation. You know God God has spoken to you about something. You know he's, he's said, this is the way I want you to go. And maybe you've had God speak to you for a while about something. That's him, just his patience. God is patient with us. He'll say something, and then a few months later, someone else might come oh, I have a word for you. Here's the word, or you'll be reading the scripture, and it jumps out. And that's God's patience with us. Because if you hear the same word from God for years, that means you probably aren't doing something that you should be doing. God speaks, we have to respond. Put faith in what he said. If there's something God's called you to do, and you know it, and it just doesn't feel right where you're at, today's your day. You can put faith in God today. You can say, Lord, I want to hear again. I want to hear fresh, and I want to do what you call me to do. I want to put faith in your word. If, if, if God's not writing your story, he wants to write your story. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. If Jesus is writing your story, it's going to go well with you. You will live a blessed life. And God works all things together for the good. Even with that house example, God worked it together for good. It was rockier than it needed to be but God works it together for his good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please stand with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this story that is just, it's just awesome to see you working in people's lives, Lord. In the details, Lord, and even as we lead up to the birth of Christ and contemplate afresh, the virgin birth, and all that it means, God. We just thank you that you are patient, Lord, with us. We thank you that we can hear your voice. And I just pray for each one of us here this morning, God. If we need a fresh, to hear your voice afresh, we just pray for our ears, Lord. We just take the cotton balls out, whatever is distracting us, Lord. We say, Lord, we're here. Listen. We're here to listen, Lord. And just hear your word afresh to each one of us. Lord, we pray for repentance. God, we pray for conviction. If we're off, we just pray you get us on the right track here, God. We want to take this season, Lord, to get our lives just in line with where you're calling us to be. Each one of us, Lord. We just yield our lives to you. We want to react like Mary and say, yes, Lord, your servant is is listening, God. We are prepared to follow you with everything you want us to do, Lord. We just say, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.